Great show today. We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about Biden coming for our guns in the middle of a nationwide homicide spike. But first, I want to talk a little bit about TPUSA, what's going on. TPUSA.com slash SAS. Get your tickets. Secure your your presence, secure your ticket immediately for Student Action Summit. It is coming up July 22nd to the 24th. By the way, the Young Women's Leadership Summit is going on right now. Fantastic event. Over 2,500 young women are there in attendance. Incredible crowd. You don't want to miss the next one. Go to the Student Action Summit. You're thinking, man, I got FOMO. Why didn't I go? Why didn't I get tickets? Why didn't I listen to POSO? Well, now's your chance. Go to tpusa.com slash SAS. President Trump will be there. Use promo code POSO. The link is in the description. And then while you're at tpusa.com, go donate as little as $1. You will get Charlie Kirk's new book, The Conservative Response to the Great Reset. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is June 3rd, 2022, Anno Domine. Today's headlines, President Biden delivers a massive address. Folks, he's coming for your guns. Next, China has been elected to the World Health Organization Executive Board, apparently with no objections. Third, Michael Avenatti sentenced to four years in prison for defrauding Stormy Daniels. Womp womp. And finally, Egypt is banning third-party training in local wheat, trading in local wheat until the end of August. What does this mean for the world food crisis? All of this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. also have national red flag laws so that a parent, a teacher, a counselor can flag for a court that a child, a student, a patient is exhibiting violent tendencies, threatening classmates, or experiencing suicidal thoughts that makes them a danger to themselves or to others. Nineteen states in the District of Columbia have red flag laws. The Delaware law is named after my son, Attorney General Bo Biden. So President Biden coming out and saying, yes, he wants nationwide red flag laws and a reinstatement of the assault weapons ban. And I don't know if you watched that full speech of his last night. I watched it. I watched every minute of it. And you look at some of the things that he said in there. Nationwide red flag laws also, by the way, proposed by Dr. Oz on his TV show. But what Biden is saying there is saying that Well, you know, it's really not the fault of criminals who commit these crimes. No, no, it's the fault of law-abiding citizens. And that's the essential problem we've got in this case and in all of these cases. What he's saying is that in order to prevent crime or reduce crime, in this case, the crime of mass shootings, shooting deaths in general, that the way to enforce that is to crack down on everybody else. Never mind the fact that law enforcement in many of these cases and the community in many of these cases knew who the perpetrators were and knew they had problems, right? I've talked about this before. You act like you have a crime problem, but what we really have is a community problem. There used to be a time in this country when somebody who had issues would be reported, and then that person could go and get the help they needed. But we can't do that anymore because we have to be politically correct. 
And in our political correctness, we have to have a one size fits all approach to everything. It's the same reason, by the way, that during COVID-19, we couldn't say, we couldn't say that people with pre-existing conditions, including people who were overweight and obese, were more likely to suffer severe outcomes from COVID-19, whereas healthy young people were more likely to be able to get it and recover easily. I got it. My wife got it. My kids got it. Guess what? Totally fine. Unvaccinated. But you know what? The vaccine mandates and the mask mandates were pushed down because of this same notion. This notion that we can't single anyone out. That we shouldn't be forced to push our interests on any member of society. Even if we know realistically that in reality, right, in reality, this is the situation and this is what's likely going to happen. So this is the problem we have. We have a social problem. We have a community problem. This isn't the first time in human history that you've had violent members of society. You can go all the way back throughout human history and we found violent members, people with these tendencies, sad as they are, they need help. Okay, this is someone who should have had help, should have gotten help long before anything where they were able to purchase a handgun or a rifle, semi-automatic, any of it. They should have been off-ramped immediately. They said this kid was walking around with bags full of dead cats in the town. And you mean to tell me that everybody thought that was perfectly fine and that nobody wanted to intervene? But President Biden, no, President Biden doesn't want to talk about any of those things because he sees it as a political opportunity for himself. And that's disgusting, by the way, because you got a situation here, 19 dead children, Two dead teachers, heroic teachers, by the way, who sacrificed themselves to save those kids, or at least save some of them. But there's no discussion of the criminal. And isn't that interesting? There's no discussion of why the person did this, what could have been off-ramped. There's no sense of how do we fix our actions as a community. I'd love to, by the way, also talk about the police response to this, the story of which keeps changing over and over and over, but we can't. We're not allowed to talk about that. Why? Because those things wouldn't be politically correct. It's not politically correct to say that somebody might have mental issues. It's not politically correct to 5150 someone and have them involuntarily committed. Well, I'll tell you something. If there's somebody walking around my street with a bag full of dead cats, you better believe I'm calling the police. Well, while we're talking about these food crises, as while we're talking about the food problems that are affecting the global supply chains, I want to tell you right now, the easiest way to get your meat, to get your food, your dinners delivered directly to you, it's so easy. You go to goodranchers.com slash poso. You will get a case, and Tanya and I know, we know exactly what we're ordering this time around. We are going to go for the ribeyes, the T-Bones, the New York Strips, and we're getting those burgers. You know I'm getting those burgers in our next case of Good Ranchers. Now, we've been overseas for a couple of weeks doing reporting over there. Now we're back. Now I want that American beef. 
I want it 100%. I want it grass-fed. I want it delicious. I want the chicken breasts that are pre-trimmed, pre-marinated. I want that steakhouse quality right in my house, and I know that I can get them when I order my case from Good Ranchers. And by the way, when you use promo code POSO at Good Ranchers, you're getting not only $30 off, but the free express shipping. This is so important because this is a, it's a huge case that you get. Go, go to the website. Don't don't take my word for it. Click the link in the description. Go to the website. You will see how big the case is that they send you. So you're going to want that free shipping. How do you get it? With promo code POSO. Go to the description of this podcast immediately. Take action. GoodRanchers.com slash POSO. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. More than 550 confirmed cases have now been reported to WHO from 30 countries that are not endemic for monkeypox virus. Investigations are ongoing, but the sudden appearance of monkeypox in many countries at the same time suggests there may have been undetected transmission for some time. Well, there's our illustrious international leader, Dr. Tedros, talking to us about monkeypox. 550 confirmed cases. By the way, 550 cases doesn't actually sound like that much, does it? Does that sound like a lot to you? It doesn't sound like a lot to me. When you're talking worldwide, right? When you're talking worldwide, obviously we hope that anybody who catches monkeypox uh, is, you know, is not hit too hard by it. But at the same time, we want to know that is it, you know, we really want to ask, is this something that lends itself to the level of an international pandemic? But now going in, looking a little bit further, China, that's right, the country, the People's Republic of China, and this uh, report is out of Summit News, China has been elected the World Health Organization Executive Board with no objections. No objections from any democratic companies, countries, despite its voluminous attempts to cover up the coronavirus outbreak and its subsequent brutal lockdowns. The watchdog group UN Watch noted that this is the regime that crushed warnings from whistleblowers in late 2019 and early 2020. They also noted that not a single democracy spoke out to object. And you can go look at their completely endorsed candidates, right? Spectator columnist Ross Clark commented, The WHO is stuffed with small countries, many with lousy human rights records, which will not dare to challenge China or which will not have the political clout to do so. And let's remember that the head of the World Health Organization's origin investigation into COVID-19 has admitted that China basically ordered his team on what to write in their report and allowed them to mention the lab leak theory, but only on the condition that they didn't recommend following it up. In addition, of course, China has refused to cooperate with the renewed WHO probe, declaring that any attempt to look into the lab leak theory goes, quote, against science, and claiming, contrary to U.S. intelligence and the WHO's own conclusions, that workers in the lab were hospitalized with COVID in the autumn of 2020. Look, we understand about the cover-up. Remember, Jamie Metzl, who is an advisor to the World Health Organization himself, has stated that the CCP engaged in a massive cover-up of the coronavirus pandemic. He pointed out that the WHO doesn't have the mandate to have its own surveillance capabilities and was therefore easily batted away. There has never been, there has never been a serious investigation into what China's done. And here's why. It's very obvious. Tedros is one of the running dogs of the CCP. The World Health Organization headquarters, which I just visited in Geneva, Switzerland, all right? It's a front. It's a front for the CCP. 
the same way the Confucius Institutes are fronts, the same way so many of our academic institutions have set up fronts now for the CCP. That's what you've got there in Geneva. These organizations, you know, it's funny, I was when I was in Geneva, one thing that we were talking about, because we're filming this documentary for TPUSA.com, that if these organizations actually existed to do what they said they were supposed to do, they'd actually be great. Right. Wouldn't it wouldn't it be nice to have a forum where all the nations of the world could come together and discuss, hey, you know, we've got this issue issue going over here. We've got this uh, infection coming out. You know, we've got some some rebels that are uh, launching attacks in this area. Some Islamic radicals are coming up, uh, you know, in, in parts of Africa, etc. Right. You, you, you would have an excellent forum. And I'm not just talking about the WHO in this case, but also the World uh, Economic Forum and and just the UN in general, right? But that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Because you have two competing and really, I would say, um, cooperating factions at this point. You've got the CCP and you've got Western Capital. Western Capital funded the CCP. Their model is a joke. Their model doesn't work. It doesn't produce actual innovation. We've seen this time and time again. So the CCP's success has not been their model, right? The CCP's model was the Great Leap Forward, uh, Chairman Mao starving 100 million people to death. The CCP's model was Tiananmen Square killing 10,000 students, by the way, the anniversary of which is coming up tomorrow. That was their model. The only reason that they're still in power is because Western capital worked together with them to finance them and to provide them the funding to build their nation, to build their power base. And the trade-off was the slave labor of the Chinese people. Remember, the Chinese people, the Lao Beijing, have always been the first victims of the CCP. And now, because the CCP has turned the tables, it's not just junior partner, senior partner anymore. Now, they're making Western capital the junior partner, and they're becoming the senior partner as they stand on their own two feet. You get it? They're turning the tables on the Western elites. And now, that's why Soros is against them now so much, because he gets what's going. He doesn't want to be a junior partner. He wants his power, right? This is what's going on here. It is a competition between elites, the Western elites and the CCP, the 1% in the West versus the 1% in the East. The problem is for all the people who are caught in the middle. This nation owes a sense of gratitude to my client, Stormy Daniels. We will not stop until the truth is known relating to the conduct of Donald Trump. Let me be clear, Michael Cohen is neither a hero nor a patriot. He lied for months on end about his criminal conduct and the role of the President of the United States. His choice time and time again was to degrade my client, seek to intimidate her, call her and me liars, and seek to degrade the office of the Presidency of the United States by seeking to buy effectively an election. The great Michael Avenatti, sent to jail, sent to prison. Actually, he's already in prison, but he's handed another four years in prison. And this is for cheating Stormy Daniels out of $300,000. And so the the interesting thing, I think, really for this story isn't so much that this scumbag 
California lawyer actually turned out to be a scumbag California lawyer. No, no, no. The problem is, the problem is, it's actually about CNN. Why do I say that, right? Why is it actually about CNN? Because CNN, for years, gave this guy a platform, treated him with seriousness, at one point even considered talk of him making a presidential run for 2020. People not just like Brian Stelter, by the way, right? This was Chris Cuomo and, more importantly, Jake Tapper, Anderson Cooper, Wolf Blitzer. They all gave this guy a platform. And so Anderson Cooper, he's basically seen as a leftist these days. But Jake Tapper is an interesting character, to say the least. Because what Jake Tapper does is that every once in a while, every once in a while, right? This is part of the old confidence men tricks, you know, back from from the days of yesteryear in vaudeville. What they do is every once in a while, they give you a little payout. Every once in a while, they give you a little something to keep you coming back for more. So just when you think that Jake Tapper is a complete dyed-in-the-wool leftist who's pushing, you know, some crazy corporate line from left-wing agendas, he'll say something that seems fair. He'll say something that seems accurate. He'll say something that seems trustworthy. And you say, oh, wait, but Jake Tapper's not one of them. Remember, he he said this. So we, we should all trust him. But then turn around. Jake Tapper is the guy who actually broke the story of the Steele dossier. He's the guy who started Russiagate, at least in terms of taking it out. Because prior to Jake Tapper, right? All right, go back on Russiagate. Prior to Jake Tapper, Russiagate was a Hillary Clinton campaign story, right? Everybody knew it started with the Hillary Clinton campaign. They knew it wasn't real, and they knew it was just kind of one of those political things, political mudslinging. That's all it was. But Jake Tapper, they go to Jake, and they say, Jake, you got to put out the story about the dossier. And Jake says, look, I don't want to touch the dossier itself because I don't believe that thing is salacious. You're talking about pee-pee stuff in there. I don't want to get into that. So what they do is they say, all right, here's what we'll do. We'll have Comey go and brief it to the president-elect, and then you report that it was briefed to the president-elect. And this was referred to as the news hook. And once there was a news hook attached to it, then Jake Tapper took the dossier and he ran with it. Now, he didn't want the dossier to ever actually be released, but who did release it was BuzzFeed, right? Ben Smith over at BuzzFeed was the one who actually released the full thing. And Jake, and we've got emails from him in terms of this, flaming Ben Sass, saying, how, or excuse me, Ben Smith, how could you do that? How could you put that out there, right? So upset because the dossier wasn't supposed to see the light of day because it never made any sense. It wasn't corroborated. None of the things in it were true. But it was used to launch these investigations, and Jake Tapper was used to launch a media narrative. This was the information operations arm of Russiagate. Jake Tapper was a huge part of that. So by propping up Jake Tapper, putting him in these positions of power, and then every once in a while handing him something like the Steele dossier, like Michael Avenatti. Remember, it's Jake Tapper, and you might say, okay, okay, but Poso, that was all the way back 2016. He wasn't done anything, hasn't done anything recent. Oh no. Oh no, because remember, Kavanaugh, 
everybody forgets that Avenatti was involved in Kavanaugh. So because Avenatti had been given by CNN and by the powers that be this halo of credibility, right? Avenatti's the guy who brings up Julie Sedgwick. Julie Sedgwick, the quote-unquote third accuser, goes on Jake Tapper through Avenatti. So it's Avenatti and Tapper on the TV telling you, and I still have this this piece, right? I still have this audio uh, and the whole clip, actually. Essentially talking about Brett Kavanaugh running some kind of gang where they were abusing women, targeting women while he was in high school. Some of the most salacious and insane allegations that were made against Kavanaugh, and it was being done through Avenatti on the Jake Tapper show. So when you see all these pieces working together and working in concert, you realize what it is you're looking at an operation. You're looking at a legal media information operation. And because it was constructed in such a way, Avenatti was the operative port. He was the locus point. He was the locus point, And then Jake Tapper and CNN was the vehicle for it. So you go to Avenatti, you tell him what he needs to say, whether it be Stormy Daniels, whether it be Julie Sedgwick, you're going after Trump, you're going after Justice Kavanaugh, doesn't matter, right? You put the pieces in, Marshall McLuhan, Marshall McLuhan, the medium is the message. Avenatti was a medium, now he's been disgraced, he's taken off the battlefield, he's taken off the chessboard. Jake Tapper, still there. Okay, Jake Tapper, still a very powerful piece, very powerful piece for the establishment. And he's a powerful piece because even conservatives will fall for this stuff, will fall for the confidence trick. And you see members of the conservative establishment still giving this guy credibility because they aren't looking at the chess game that's being played. They're the ones, in fact, getting played. With regard to food shortage, yes, we did talk about food shortages. And uh, and it's going to be real. The the price of these sanctions is not just imposed upon Russia. It's imposed upon an awful lot of countries as well, including European countries and our country as well. And uh, because both uh, Russia and Ukraine have been the breadbasket of Europe in terms of wheat, for example, just give one example. But we had a long discussion uh, in the G7 with, uh, um, the, uh, with both uh, the United States, which has a, as a significant, the third largest producer of wheat in the world, as well as Canada, which is also a major, major producer. And we both talked about how we could increase and disseminate more rapidly Food, food shortages. Okay, so President Biden has no idea what's going on with the food shortages. The food shortages that we're facing, the fuel shortages that we're facing, baby formula shortages. He has no clue how the economy works. Secretary Yellen, who should have been fired the day she took the job, has no clue how the economy works. She had recently just came out and apologized, essentially, for not understanding how inflation works. Keep in mind, Keep in mind, this person was the chair of the Fed, the organization that actually creates inflation. That's how it works. Money printing goes out. Money goes to their buddies. This is the Great Reset. This is the ESG scores. It goes to money management firms like BlackRock, 
like Blackstone, Vanguard, State Street, etc. They dole the money out. They're the operations arm of the Great Reset. They dole the money out, and then it goes to their buddies. Inflation comes up at the end of the chain for who? The people furthest away from the throne. The people at the top of the chain, the people closest to the throne, are benefiting at the expense of the people furthest away. That's how inflation works. Because the money printing goes to the people at the top. Cantillion effect. Egypt now. Egypt has banned the trading of wheat by third parties until the end of August. According to Reuters, what does this mean? Now what's happening next? The government of Egypt has just come out and said that third party trading in local wheat has been banned. They're banning the export of wheat from Egypt. Pretty simple. Why are they doing this? Because the government has bought the entire harvest from local farmers, and it's targeting 6 million tons of domestic wheat this year after Ukraine and the war that's being held there cut it off from much of the Black Sea wheat that it relied on. Egypt is often one of the world's biggest wheat importers. So where's Egypt going to get their wheat? They're trying to figure out what's going on. All right, we're talking, by the way, I mean, I'm seeing some reports that Egypt might be getting their wheat from India. So let's go over Times of India, indiatimes.com. New Delhi has a great explainer on this. Russia's invasion of Ukraine in late February has dramatically worsened the outlook for already inflated global food prices, especially affecting Africa and developing countries like India. The halt in Ukrainian exports following the conflict has pushed the Food and Agriculture Organization, FAO's Food Price Index, which tracks international prices of the most globally traded food commodities, to its highest point in March since records began in 1990. And guess which one is, is right at the top of that is wheat. Okay, it's wheat. While the post-pandemic global demand, extreme weather, tightening food stocks, high energy prices, supply chain bottlenecks, and export restrictions and taxes have been straining the food market for two years, the recent convergence of all of these factors is unprecedented and has sent food inflation rates spiking around the world. In India, the consumer price index risen 10.5% since January 2020 leaving consumers facing much higher prices for essential food staples. Understand, right? we're seeing that there. In Lebanon, a country that's heavily reliant on food imports, which gets most of their wheat from Ukraine, their price index is up more than 3,200 percentage points. Europe, the United States are facing this. Understand, all of this is going to lead to global instability. You're already seeing protests in Argentina, Indonesia, Greece, Iran, all of these places, Sri Lanka, right? People are not going to stand for it. And that's what you've got to worry about back here in the United States as well. Because inflation isn't just stuck to one country. It's not isolated to one country. This is facing the entire world because our elites have no clue what they're doing. Or should I say, they know exactly what they're doing. As an example, look what Biden is doing in terms of these gun laws. At the same time that liberals are letting violent criminals out of jails and that the murder sprees are rampant in our cities, he wants to take guns away from law-abiding citizens. Understand what point of the movie we're in. 
And that is it. That's all the time we have today for Human Events Daily. Now, I can uh, confirm that we are back on terra firma. We're in the United States of America. We have returned. Uh, the studio is, is currently being upgraded, and we're, um, we're actually expanding some stuff at the studio in D.C., so that's why we're audio only for right now. But I want to say thank you so much for supporting us, for supporting the work that we have been doing here at Human Events Daily, growing the show, growing the audience, and the feedback has absolutely been incredible. So remember, our, as always, our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to you, be good, be brief, be gone. Your homework for us, share this out with one, just one of your normie friends, and then leave us, seriously guys, leave us a five-star review, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your, poli- your, your politics, your podcast, etc. That helps us out so much, it helps us with our rankings. What did we talk about today? President Biden addressing the nation on gun violence and deciding that it's time to take away guns from law-abiding gun owners at the same time that crime is rampant. China elected to the World Health Organization Executive Board. Avenatti sentenced to four years in prison. And finally, Egypt banning the export of wheat as the world food crisis continues. Understand, folks, we are in for so much more. Before I go, it's time for today's history break. It's actually for tomorrow. June 4th, 1989. The events of the Tiananmen Square Massacre. Thousands, tens of thousands of Chinese students and workers were slaughtered by the People's Liberation Army. The Chinese military rolled tanks on their own citizens. Soviet Union fell because the Soviet military refused to fire on their own citizens. The CCP, they were more than happy to do so. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.